easier isn't always better, is it? You know, sometimes what we work for most in life uh, requires a lot of effort. Uh, and we're all scared. Uh, we all have issues. We all have problems. Um, but I love the line in there, I want to marry you because I want to date you. And so many of us, I'll, I'll throw it out there to the guys, uh, but I think the women are the same way. Uh, when we're in the dating phase, it's all about intrigue. It's all about curiosity. It's all about getting to know the other person. And once we uh, arrive, our wedding day, all that goes out the window. In reality, that should be the first time that we really start dating. Because life isn't a sprint to the wedding day. Life is a marathon to the end of life. Marriage should be about dating each other and getting to know each other more and more and more and more every single day. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I said it before. If you don't date your spouse, somebody else will. If you don't date your spouse, somebody else will. Nobody got up this morning and said, I think I'm going to go start an affair. But six months ago, they stopped dating their spouse and started dating somebody else emotionally they started having conversations with somebody uh, that they had no intentions of uh, doing anything else with. And then through a series of events, uh, poor decisions, poor planning, uh, living unintentionally, this morning they got up and they started an affair. In reality, they started it six months ago. Because somewhere along the lines, they stopped dating their spouse. Uh, uh, back when COVID first hit, um, uh, it was interesting. Uh, we as a staff were trying to figure out what we were going to do with all our extra time, and uh, there was no extra time. Uh, uh, one of the things I told the, the staff is be prepared for the amount of counseling that we're going to be doing during this shutdown. When you take two people that have been living separate lives in the same house and put them in the same house and they don't have any other place to go, it's going to cause conflict. And guess what happened? Our phones never stopped ringing because we're all human. And those of us who were living separate lives under the same household now had to realize we had to live under the same household regardless of what we wanted or didn't want. Uh, we, we worked from home, we lived from home, we played from home, we did everything at home, and we had a person in our home that we didn't know. I actually got a, a text and a call from a couple that said, hey, uh, we've never been to your church, but we've been uh, watching you online. Uh, we, we're having problems. Uh, we'd love for you to uh, engage with us in some uh, counseling via zoom i said great i said uh, we'll set it up and uh, I'll, I'll get back with you and so in the meantime i don't i don't know so how do you get to know people today facebook so i went on their facebook pages and uh what you what you show on facebook is very telling about where you are and who you are so i found him first and uh, on his facebook page he had this nice fancy boat he had this nice fancy four-wheeler he had this beautiful truck. Uh, he has had all these good buddies that he hung out with. And he had, I mean, for six months, all I saw was boats and trucks and buddies and everything else. If I'd have looked at his Facebook page without looking at about him, I'd have never known he was married. Not a single picture of him and his bride. So I went to her Facebook page because I went to the about, you know, I'm married to. Really? Okay, I'll click on her. So I went to her Facebook page. Her Facebook page was simply a business page for six months. Everything that I saw on that page was selling furniture, selling chairs, selling this, selling that. She was a home, home interior or something or other. And, and, and I was like, if I'd have looked at her page, I'd have never known she was married. But both of them, about six months earlier, you get that far back into their scrolling. And let me tell you, they posted a lot of junk. 
But six months earlier, from that point forward, all you've seen was them together. Them together. Them together. Them together. Them together. And so we got on Zoom, and I introduced myself and said, uh, you guys quickly tell me who you are, and they told me who they were. I said, all right, I don't know you, you don't know me, so we're going to get down to the dirty of it. What happened six months ago? And their eyes got this big, and that's the last I heard from them. Yeah, we, we went through that counseling, but they never revealed what happened six months ago. If you don't date your spouse, somebody else will. This last week, uh, starting Thursday, we had a great time uh, here with Dancing Through the Minefields. All these chairs were gone. Uh, we had ta- 20 tables set up in here, 160 chairs around those tables. And uh, the first night, we, we did Dancing Through the Decades to kick things off. Uh, and so we did the twist. Well, we started out with the YMCA because everybody knows that. We had everybody stand, and uh, we, all, we all danced. We, we, we literally embraced this theme of Dancing Through the Minefields. And so we did the YMCA, we did the twist, we did Fortnite dancing, we did disco, uh, we did the moonwalk, um, Macarena. Uh, we tried to do the thriller, but we realized most of us knew it years ago, but none of us know it now. Um, and, and so we just really had a, an, a, a tremendous time on Thursday night, had a great speaker on Thursday night, a lawyer who came and shared from her experience uh, what she's learned uh, about marriage through divorce. Uh, be, uh, and then... Uh, Saturday we had, yesterday we had uh, um, four speakers, three, three speakers plus myself, and it really just uh, continued to embrace that theme of dancing through the minefields. But my favorite night for me was Friday night. Uh, I'd been sending out uh, little exercises for a week. There should have been seven of them, different things to prepare for the event that uh, just have conversations, go to point, point towards each other, uh, just live life where you're very intentionally getting to know each other again. In the seventh night should have been a date night, and we didn't send that one out because we planned their date night for Friday night. So everybody came in here, and if you can imagine their surprise when there was no chairs in here. The only thing in here was a couple of coffee tables uh, with uh, coffee on them, drink stations, and a couple of snack stations, and no place to sit. And I have a couple of friends that taught me and Kelly how to dance. They just, they're not dance instructors. They just love to dance. And so uh, through our conversations with the staff, we said, you know, what if we just really embraced this? You guys know them, because uh, I did it with my small group. And we brought them down here, and uh, we said, uh, we're, we're going to embrace dance night. And we, we, we created your dance night for you, or your, your date night for you. And we danced the cha-cha. Uh, we taught people how to do it. We started with some basic steps, and we, we went through. And I tell you what, I was so proud. Uh, no, I, thought, I really thought like several people, as soon as they figured out we were dancing that night, would just get up and leave, just walk out the door. As far as I know, nobody left right off the bat. <laughs> if you did, you snuck out and I didn't see you. Uh, but they, they literally taught us some very unique elements and uh, how it relates between dance and life, dance and marriage. And uh, that was my favorite night because so much of life is a dance. And so much of marriage is a dance, and there's so many similarities. Uh, I do want to bring this up. I got it in my hand so I don't forget. Uh, we were supposed to give you guys a little trinket to remember the, the weekend. Uh, so if you did not get one, Kelly or uh, Brittany, have them uh, in the foyer. Um, it's, you know, God gives us little things to put reminders in our hands, reminders in our life about uh, an event. And so we want you to have this just to, to be reminded every time you look at it of how am I dancing through life? What am I doing differently today uh, based on what God is teaching me yesterday? And uh, 
uh, just a way to, to, to be reminded of uh, some of the things. And so this morning I want to continue the thought of dancing through the minefields, but I want to uh, start with some basics. Here's what I want to tell you. The dance floor reveals tremendous about, about your relationship. You can't hide anything on a dance floor. So much is revealed in how you interact between those two partners on a dance floor. Um, you can't hide it. You know, we have a stay in here. If you, something about you that you don't like, don't hide it. Change it. Start dancing. You can't hide it on a dance floor. Um, there are so many other things. But uh, let me start out with this. Let me just say, if you're married and you've been dancing alone, just stop it. Marriage is literally a partner dance. And I know that there are some here, some throughout our entire world, that there are two people living in the same house dancing a different dance. And that's an awkward place to be. But marriage is literally a partner dance. I mean, I mean you know what line dancing is. That's fun, right? You, know, you just stand up there in a line, do it by yourself. Kelly and I line dance, but we line dance together because we're partners. You know, line dancing is for the young. This takes a lot of energy. And I don't want you to stop line dancing because I think all dancing is good. But what I want you to realize is when you're married, you have a partner that wants to dance with you. If you guys were doing it uh, in, a, in a way that uh, you were working together on Friday night, there were smiles on both of your faces. There was adventure and curiosity, and you were laughing. And if you were uh, struggling through it, there was something less than a smile on your face. And the whole point of Friday night was to put a smile on your face. Realize that we can laugh and have fun. But marriage is a partner dance. In Genesis chapter 2, uh, 18, God started out this way. It's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper specifically for him. And so many times we, uh, we realize that, that that's true, but we fail to realize the, the truth of it. Uh, if you're just roommates in the same house, are you really any different than Adam was when he was alone in the garden? You see, God created everything that Adam saw. Adam saw the beauty and nature. He saw all these animals, and they all had their own community. They, like they, they were, there wasn't just one tiger. There was a bunch of tigers. There wasn't just one lion. There was a bunch of lions. There was not just one bird, but a bunch of word, birds. And they all had a community. But here was Adam all by himself. And God looked at that and said, the first negative in the entire scriptures, and God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And here's what I just want to leave you with on that phrase is, just think about when you're alone, what runs through your mind. When you've had a, a spout, when you've had a conflict, when you've had a disagreement, and you go off by yourself, what runs through your mind when you're alone? And what would be different if you stayed together? It's a partner dance. It's not meant to be alone, and God made that very clear. Uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes kind of uh, gives us some examples of why it's not good, good to be alone. In fact, he gives us better examples of why it is to be together in this life. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, uh, verse 9 through 12, it says this, Two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. Uh, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Uh, what you see in those scriptures, yes, it's talking about companionship. But I think if we look at it from our context today about marriage, there is so much that can be learned from just these couple of verses. If two are working together, a union is about two people coming together, commuting together, communing together. Uh, and, and you can do so much more together than you can do alone. It's not about addition. I'll give you an example. Uh, uh, horses. 
workhorses. One workhorse can pull 8,000 pounds. How much do you think two workhorses can pull? Well, 8 plus 8 is 16. That's what I thought too, but that's not true. Actually, two workhorses just put together, two, two horses that have been trained apart, two workhorses that have put together can pull 24,000 pounds. You see, union's about multiplication, not about addition. If you take those same two horses and you train them together, you work them together, you train them together, they can pull four times the amount of weight. They can pull 32,000 pounds. Now, if horses can be trained to do that, and we were made to be uh, uh, over the top, uh, uh, in charge of all that God created, if the horses can do that, how much more can we do that, those who God gave dominion over this earth? And he said it's not good to be alone. We were brought together. Why? For union. And we can accomplish so much more if we do it together and, not, and stop doing it apart. If one falls down, the other can be there to pick them up. Uh, you can just simply look back at the, the, the Genesis event where the fall takes place. You know, you can, throw, you can throw blame. You can do all kinds of stuff. I don't want to do any of that today. Man fell. God created Adam and Eve. He told them not to eat of the fruit. They ate of the fruit. God came down. He was mad. He punished them. He separated them from the garden and, and, and just said, get out. Now, what happens when you get in a tiff with your spouse, when you get in an argument with your spouse? Most of the time what happens is one goes one way and one goes the other way. Does that do any good for the, the, the unity? Does that do any good for your marriage? If you're honest with yourself, you've got to say no. Now, I want you to just think about this. Adam and Eve were kicked out of paradise. What would you have done? I know what I would have done. It wouldn't have been this. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, it says uh, it's, the, it's the, the, the fall, they kicked out of the garden, and then the next thing that God writes down, not necessarily the next thing in time, but the next thing that God writes down for us to understand. It says they came together and made a new human. They came together and created a new human. That's the very next thing that God tells us they did. They fell, and they came right back together. Man, if we could grasp that idea, that when one falls down, the other one's there to pick them up. I, I don't want you to raise your hands, but I, how many of you in here this morning are down and wish your partner would pick you up? If you're the partner, I'm pretty sure you know they need to be picked up. And we need to set aside our pride and our arrogance and our anger and all the rest of that stuff and realize we're on the same team. If one of you fails, both of you fail. If one of you wins, both of you win. And God created us for a winning team. God said it is good, not good for you to be alone, but we need to be together. And the writer in Ecclesiastes says we're two are together. If one falls, one can pick the other one up. Not only does he say that, two are there. Well, let me back up. Uh, I, I, I can't help myself. Anytime I see this uh, in Scripture or hear this word, I can't help myself. I'm old school. I want to quote the, the famous theologian, Mr. T. I pity the fool who has no one to pick him up. And I hope that sticks with you. Your partner needs to be picked up. You're going to be down sometime, and you're going to want them to pick you up. I don't care what they did. Hey, I'm not throwing stones, but Eve got us kicked out of the garden. 
Adam didn't throw a stone. He came to her and they made a new human. I'm just, just putting that out there. We can all throw stones, but are we willing to come together and make something beautiful? Because that's what they did when one of them fell. They both fell. Uh, it goes on and says, where, where there's two, it's for warmth. Uh, back in their day, there was no HVAC. There was no electric blankets. There was no hot tubs. There was none of, none of this stuff. It, just, it was just two people in, the, in a cover. It got cold at night, and he said, you know, you're there for warmth. And I, I've been telling Kelly for years, she thinks I joke about this, I've been telling Kelly for years that just her touch brings a warmth and healing to my soul. And so uh, preparing for this, I ran across, uh, I think Ramsey brought this up. I wasn't here for the last part of his speech, but uh, there's a, a guy named John Gottman, and they have a clinic out in Seattle where they've been following couples for 40 years. He's a scientist pure scientist looking at love from a scientific point of view and he uh, brings apart this uh, idea and these uh, new new things that they're discovering they actually put transmitters or um, sensors on your head and and they do different tests and they can tell when certain parts of your brain fire and don't fire and they're figuring out that uh, that the, the a simple touch a 20 second hug can make all the difference in your life uh, many many touches not m-a-n-y but uh, m-i-n-i Many touches throughout the day will do the same thing. It creates this, uh, I called it oxycodone the other day, but that's not it. It's oxytocin, a uh, chemical in your brain. does the same thing, makes you high. But uh, um, it, it creates this chemical in your, in your brain. Uh, it's called a trust chemical. And it produces healing and refreshment. Uh, it, it causes you, it can be bad if you're trusting the wrong people, but it's the right person. Meaningful touch from the right person makes all the difference in the world. The, one of their studies was this. They, they, I don't know why they picked a woman. I don't, don't, don't throw me. I'm just telling you what they did. Um, uh, they had a lady, in a, not just one, but several, and, and they would put an electrode on her toe. And in front of her was a screen, and any time a red X, well, 25% of the time a red X would come up, uh, she would get zapped. Not, not like to hurt her, but... Enough to let her know she got zapped. And they were monitoring her brain. And, and uh, anytime the red X, after a while, anytime the red X would come up, the fear part of her brain would go off, right? Just, it would just, just the fear, just the thought. Even though it wasn't going to be every time, it was just 25% of the time, this fear receptor would go off in her brain. Uh, and so then they brought in uh, a stranger and, and had a stranger hold her hand and do it again. And Every time the red X came up, the fear receptor went off. The fear receptor went off. The fear receptor went off. Then he brought her husband in, and he held her hand. And every time the red X went off, nothing happened in her brain. Man, I want you to hear that. A meaningful touch from the right person brings healing to the bones and refreshment to the body. All you ladies out there and all you men out there that don't like touch, shame on you. I'm not talking about sexual touch. I'm talking about the healing touch that God gives us, that God made us to have in our lives. That's what I'm talking about, just touch. I, I, I asked the people, I, I watched this entire weekend. Of course, I prepared for this. But I watched, and I look out here this morning, and I'm looking to see if you're touching your spouse makes all the difference in the world. Whether it's just uh, elbow to elbow, knee to knee, where you got your arm around them, no matter what you're doing, touch makes all the difference in the world. It can and it will. There's two for defense. 
one of our speakers said, it's you against the world. There's going to be a tax on your marriage. Put a ring on your finger and see how fast you don't become a target. It's a shame that that's our, our world, the culture that we live in, but it is. There's going to be a tax. We have enough external tax. Stop attacking each other on the inside. I mean, you're there, you're there for each other. You know the difference between a, a good marriage and a poor marriage? In a good marriage, we fight fair. We still fight, right? We still have arguments. We still have conflict. We still have all the different things. Why? Because two, imper- two imperfect people trying to live in an imperfect world. And so we all fight. The difference is we fight fair. We try to. We, 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 we practice our fighting. Doesn't sound right, but that's what we do. And we try to perfect the idea that when one of us wins, we both win. When one of us lose, we both lose. A partner dance can't be performed alone without it being awkward. Can you, can you imagine being up here and you got frame, right? So you got a hand and you got a hand on the back uh, and, it's, and it's not a grip and it's not a, I'm going to poke you through, through your shoulder. It's literally gentle touches. Can you imagine being up here and being like this and dancing, how awkward that would be and how awkward that would look and, and you're doing all the motions and, 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 and there's nobody there? Partner dance is awkward by yourself. Stop dancing alone. Start dancing with your partner. I, I want to tell you this. Men, if you don't think you can dance, you can. I, I'm going to tell you right now, dancing will change your marriage. I'm talking about physically dancing together will change your marriage. Privacy your own home, in a club, I don't care. Dancing will change your marriage, but don't do it alone. As awkward as it is to learn, one learns to lead by making small mistakes. Uh, when we were on the dance floor, You'll see people do all kinds of stuff, and what they do with that mistake will make all the difference in the world. Oh, you stepped on my toe. I'll move my foot next time. Why'd you step on my toe? Two different expressions, right? What about in life? Little mistakes, gentle nudges. John Gottman, when he was asked what people argue about the most, he said nothing. How many arguments have you had that have been about nothing that have gone for days? Days and days and days. Stop dancing alone. Together we learn to lead and follow as we work through the early stages of dance. Marriage is an invitation to dance. You don't, you don't have to dance but it's an invitation to dance. The two shall become one. When Jesus was confronted with the, the trap question about divorce, he took them back to the, uh, the creation, the beginning, before there was a fall, before uh, anything was wrong, when all the world was right. He took them back to that point and he said this, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. They are no longer, in, uh, no longer two but one. Therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. You need to understand that when you get married, you now have a new partner. It's not just somebody you're dating. It's somebody that's a part of your life. It's somebody that's connected to you. It's somebody that's literally attached at the hip, attached at the rib. Uh, There are a lot of people in this world that dance. uh, There's a lot of people in this world to dance with, but there's only one who invited you to dance with them. And you need to realize that that dance is for a lifetime. I take you. Understand your partner's not perfect. And all the women said... Mm, all the men said, yeah, you guys, you guys ain't been married long enough. <laughs> We're all imperfect. Here, here's the key. 
Perfection isn't a requirement for marriage. And so many of us think it is. Perfection is not a requirement for marriage. Don't compare your partner to anyone else. You don't want to know why? God may have not gave them the same toolkit that he gave everybody else. You're asking them to, to be something that God didn't create them to be. Stop comparing your husband or your wife to somebody else. They're not the same person. The, one of the first things you do, need to do when you uh, are invited into this dance is you need to have a normal conversation. A what? A normal conversation. Well, what is normal? That's a good question. What's your normal? My normal uh, was a, an environment where he who yelled the loudest won the argument. If that didn't work, he who was the quietest the longest won the argument. Uh, Kelly came from a different normal. Uh, how money was handled in my family was my stepdad made all the money. It was all his money. And if you wanted anything, you had to beg and plead and borrow and steal and do everything else. In fact, I sold his entire uh, uh, historical coin collection so I'd have money. Wasn't right. But when he found out, he was mad. I sold it all. But that's, what, that's the environment I grew up in. I grew up in an environment where finances re revolved around a pl plastic card. I grew up in an environment, it doesn't matter what it is, that's my normal. What was Kelly's normal? Completely different than my normal. You need to have a normal conversation. How are we going to raise kids? In my, my, my environment, it, you just beat the kids. Didn't matter whether they did right, wrong, or anything, whether they told the truth or anything else, that was my normal. What was her normal? She never got a spanking. Her dad looked at her and she bawled her to eyes out. I don't know about you women, how you do that? My daughter did the same thing. <sighs> but you need to have a normal conversation because your normals aren't right and you need to leave your father and mother and cleave to your wife or cleave to your spouse. You come from two different environments and, and you're trying to bring those environments together and it doesn't going to work if you don't have this conversation. I wish I'd have had this conversation long before I ever did. It would have made our marriage so much either, easier. You know, when you, when you came, came together for the first time, or maybe you're thinking about getting married, uh, when, you, when you come together for the first time, you're going to notice all the things they didn't. Your food don't taste like my mom's. You don't pick up like my dad. I don't know who any dads that pick up, but I know that's probably a thing. Um, you, you, you don't spend money like, like we did. You don't save money like we did. You don't, you don't, you don't. It's almost like we're pre-programmed to identify the we don'ts. Instead of identifying the we do's. If you don't have that normal conversation, that's where you're going to end up. When you start your first dance, things are awkward for many reasons. But one thing is, one reason is, is that you're two separate people trying to move as one. And we must walk away from all our old ways and walk into a new rhythm. As we were dancing the other night, um, so uh, I count different than they do. I can't follow their counting, and they're my friends. Uh, but you, uh, the guy does this, right? The lady does just the opposite. I, don't, I won't be able to do this right. But the lady does just the opposite. I can't do hers. There's a reason. She's a mirror image of me. Now get that. If we don't ever have a normal conversation, we can never be a, a mirror image of each other. We need to be in rhythm and in step and in line. The sooner you can just discuss the pre-marriage normals, the better off you're ever going to be. What are the things from your childhood days you said you would never do that you're still doing to this day? You need to sit down and write them out. 
What are the daily routines? What are the finances? What are the spending? The emotional support, home routines, conflict manage, work schedules, vacation. Keep that list going until you figure out what the normals were and what the normals need to be. Because here's what I want to tell you. Your normals aren't right if you're doing what you did at home with a new person in your life. Because what you're doing is just bringing what you, you brought from your, your life and telling them you need to adapt to me, and that's not a partnership. That's a dictatorship. And we need to do better. Help identify their strengths. A good leader will not simply lead from their perspective, but input from their partner and help identify and know how to best lead their partner. As we were dancing uh, the other night, Kelly actually stopped me because uh, we, we danced, but we haven't danced in a while. And, and I could remember some of the moves, but my timing was off. I don't know if you've ever danced, but when your timing is off, things get awkward real quick. And so I'm trying to turn her, and she stops mid-turn. And I'm like, uh, uh, she's like, I knew what you wanted me to do, but you weren't doing it fast enough. And I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. So we did it again, and I turned her faster, and I said, how was that? She said, perfect. You have to realize that you can't just lead from your own perspective. You have to help the other person identify their strength. We're so quick to point out the other person's flaw. What if we flipped the script and started focusing and identifying on their strengths? Trust me, ladies, I know what I'm doing wrong. That's what your husband wants you to know. Ladies, look at your husband and say, trust me, I know what I'm doing wrong. We don't need anybody else to point out. We, we get in trouble all the time because we don't point out sins. Let me ask you a question. You know what you're doing wrong? Why do I need to point it out for you? That's God's job. I want to give you encouragement to do the right thing. I want to give you encouragement to help identify the strengths. When I'm, when I'm unsure of my lead, I'll ask her, what's a good time for me to do this? How, when, when should I raise my arm? When should I do this? When, what's a good lead in for you to make the right move? If we would take that and put it into our daily lives, we would have a lot more conversations about where we spend our money, how we discipline our kids, where we're going to take our grandkids, where we're going to do this. Where, if we would simply realize we need to identify each other's strengths and help each other be the best that they can be, I'd tell you from time to time you need to sit down and identify those strengths because strengths change over time. How many of you are exactly the same you were when you got married? Any, I'm going to ask, any ladies still fit in their wedding dress? A couple? Nice, 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 nice. How about you men? You still fit in that tux? Put your hands down. Right? We change over time. And the way we communicate and the way that we help each other and the way we identify strengths should change as well. Here's what I'm going to leave you with. Dance should be an adventure. It's interesting to me, many people uh, will ask, what's the easiest or what's the hardest dance? Here's what I'm going to tell you. It doesn't matter what dance it is, the first one's always the hardest. Why? Because you're learning something new. You're, you're, you know how hard, I, I'm just going to tell you straight up, it's hard to lead. You know how many things I got to think of? I got to think of where the count is. And one, two, cha-cha-cha, three, four, cha-cha-cha. And then I got to think, all right, when do, when do I turn her, right? I'm still counting, just so you know. In my head, I'm still counting. I'll never stop counting. But then somewhere along here, I got to go, well, here we go. And I got to give her the lead so that we don't do this, but we do this. Somewhere along the lines, we should stop worrying about all of thises and start just having fun. Friday night was a blast for so many people. 
it should have been a blast for everybody. It wasn't about do I get it all right because you're not going to get it all right the first night. It's the hardest dance you're ever going to learn, the very first one. We do everything else different in our life. We go into work and they say, you got a new task to learn today. we got a new computer system today. we got a new whatever today. we got this new today. And what do you do? All right, I'm going to buckle down and figure this out. We get home and we got a new something. Oh, what do you mean i got something new? You see, if we look at our life and our marriage as an adventurous time, new doesn't bother us. New's a new adventure. New's, new's something new curiosity. New's something that we get to have fun with, we get to joke with. We, we just simply are, are, are learning together. What's the easiest dance, the last one? It, it, it's when you, when you realize that, yeah, I, I'm still counting in my head, but I'm having a good time with my body, right? So what's the last one? Well, uh, let's see if I can do a different one. Um, I should have practiced this one. So to swing is a completely different thing, right? Completely different. Now what's the easiest one? That one. The third one. The fourth one. The fifth one. The more that you do, 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 the last one is the easiest one. doesn't matter which one it is. Ramba sucks, though, by the way. Um, that's, that's just, I don't know how you move your hips like that. But anyway, my hips break. Um, but it, it's the last one. You see, when we uh, take a look and realize life is an adventure, that it's not shouldn't just be all all serious all the time, all all you know just this and this and this and just task oriented, task oriented. Just have fun sometimes. Dance should be an adventure. Marriage should be an adventure. Curiosity. God created us not to be alone, but He created us to have a partner. And inside that partner, it's an invitation every day to dance. One of the things that when I was reading this, uh, you know, we, we focus so many times on, on so much of life. Uh, we've missed the, the moments to, to just shine, the, the moments just to have fun. So one of the tasks or one of the, the suggestions that they gave a couple, uh, they were married, had I think three kids, and uh, they were just so focused on, on life that they were missing all the enjoyment of the, of the day. And one of the things they told them to do was when you, whoever, whoever's the last one home, Whoever's the last one in the door, open up the door and say, I'm home. And all the kids, everybody who was in the house, stopped what they were doing and came and greeted that person at the, at, the, at the door. And this couple said the change that it made in the life of that family was astronomical because life became an adventure to see the last one come home. Man, if we could just realize that there's enough seriousness in this world, that, that, that there's enough steps, there's enough things to learn, there's enough whatever, that we just need to have an adventure. Adventures create a life that make us one. The rhythmic partner dance we call life is a splendor and glory that makes us one. You want to learn how to dance in the minefield? How to go from I do to we did? Realize this, life is a partner dance and it's an invitation to dance. When you approach marriage from that simple perspective, life may take on a whole new meaning and a whole new level of enjoyment and a whole new level of satisfaction. Let me pray for our relationships, whether you're married or not, whether you want to get married or not. Let me just pray that God would, would give us the relationship that he has for us. Father, we love you and we praise you.
may you be exalted in everything that we do. God, may you teach us how to walk, how to dance, how to enjoy this life that you've created us for. God, may you bring us together as partners, as truly one, as truly those who have left mother and father, have joined together, who are not living alone in the same house, but truly enjoying this life, this adventure that you created us for. God, may you do that, and may we recognize you for it in Christ's name. Amen.